Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Goh. Welcome to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Go here to do a solo episode. Peter, unable to join us today. So we'll be talking Brewers, as always, uh, kind of recapping the week. A couple AL Central opponents, some interleague matchups. Brewers were overall, I'd say, reasonably successful, even though they did go two and three. Recapping the draft, I know we kind of pushed that off last week, so we're going to be talking that about that a little bit more this week. Also, trade deadline coming up on Friday, July 30th, uh, midday. So a lot of news on that front, a couple of big trades that have happened in the recent recent week. Uh, Rich Hill going to the Mets, Nelson Cruz going from Minnesota to Tampa Bay, um, and then also Adam Frazier going from Pittsburgh to San Diego, noted Brewers killer Adam Frazier. Good timing on that one since Brewers are going into Pittsburgh for a three-game set beginning on Tuesday. It'll be nice to, to not have uh, the Pirates have their best hitter and the, the, the Major League hit leader right now, actually. Uh, in Adam Frazier. <clears throat> kind of interesting, though, uh, with the Padres. They have, of course, outstanding depth. I mean, you look at the roster, and especially on the position player side of things, you've got Tatis at short, you've got Machado at third, but you've also got Cronenworth at second. You've got Profar there. Um, you've got Will Myers, Eric Hosmer, Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham. So they're really deep, and it makes you kind of wonder, um, what exactly are they going to do with... Um, with those last, with the the guys that are kind of maybe on the outside looking in now after the after the trade, Cronenworth was an All Star uh, for the first time, uh, as was Frazier actually. So you'd have to think Cronenworth is going to need to get regular at bats um, in that lineup. So is the odd man out Eric Hosmer or is it Will Myers? Uh, one of those two, uh, you know, kind of interesting, especially Eric Hosmer uh, making twenty million right now. And you know he's been he's been fine in San Diego, but uh, definitely not like a superstar by any means. So I'm kind of curious to see what the Padres do with Hosmer. Could he be a potential trade candidate for the Brewers? I don't know if the Brewers need another left-handed hitting second baseman, especially one who hasn't had a an above-average offensive season over the course of a full season since that 2017 campaign before he signed with San Diego. So kind of a long time ago, he is now already in his age 31 season. I'd be a little bit skeptical of it. I think if the Brewers do acquire someone like Eric Hosmer, it has to be coming along with a large amount of cash and probably not really giving up much of anything um, on that front because if that's not the case, if they do have to give up more or even pay his entire salary, it's just not worth it for the Brewers. So kind of an interesting name there, one that I wouldn't have expected on the trade market. Uh, at this point, but it is possible that Eric Hosmer does end up on the trade market. I, I do think that he does provide some of those good intangibles, uh, he, even though he does, um, you know, not produce the greatest numbers offensively, especially compared to other first basemen, and even defensively, he he definitely passes the eye test. He definitely looks good defensively at first base. The metrics don't really grade out on him all that well. Uh, which I do think that he's probably a little bit better of a defensive first baseman than maybe the metrics would say. But he does seem to bring kind of those intangibles, those uh, the leadership in the clubhouse. Kind of seems like a winning baseball player, kind of like a Mike Moustakis, his former teammate in Kansas City. 
um, and, and would be a nice addition to that Brewers clubhouse. Seems like a great clubhouse guy. Uh, so kind of an interesting name there. I know we tossed out Albert Pujols a number of, of weeks ago uh, when he was released. Uh, of course, much different players, much different circumstances. Uh, but if the Padres do decide to try to deal Eric Hosmer, could the Brewers be a team that's interested? It's possible. And even maybe if they don't, uh, don't eat up some of that salary if San Diego doesn't, maybe the Padres send another piece with Hosmer to get under that luxury tax threshold. Something to consider, I would, I would say. Today's random player of the day is going to be a guy that uh, I saw he was mentioned on ESPN in the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast yesterday. Chris Carter, uh, one year with the Brewers 2016, hit 222, but did tie for the National League lead in home runs with 41. Also had 94 RBIs, but he did also lead the National League in strikeouts uh, with 206, I think it looks like. Uh, he slugged 499, kind of a, an all or nothing you know, strikeout or home run type of player, not even walk. He didn't walk that much. Um, his on-base on percentage was still a little bit below league average. <clears throat> so Chris Carter had a very interesting season that one year, kind of a transition year for the Brewers uh, from a little bit more from kind of the, the old roster with the veterans as they transitioned into a little bit of a younger team looking to contend maybe a little bit more in 2017. The Brewers ended up uh, non-tendering him after the year even though they did hold his uh, his arbitration eligibility for the 2017 season, ended up going to New York with the Yankees, hit 201, and really didn't produce that much, even with the power in his bat. Made a move to the Mexican League, uh, where he still plays right now. He's only 34 years old. He's currently slugging 563 in 79 plate appearances. Back in 2019, his last full season, he did have an OPS of 1158, uh, which is... Uh, I mean, probably I would have to guess that he's probably one of the best players in the league, um, which if you think about it, just a couple years removed from being the National League home run leader, going to the Mexican League, you know, kind of kind of interesting, uh, kind of interesting move and trajectory. You don't really see in many people's careers, but I do think he, he kind of had a, a bigger impact on the Brewers than people realize. I don't think he quite got the credit he deserved, um, but... I also do think that getting rid of him and bringing in Eric Thames was a, was a good move for the Brewers since Thames ended up taking over at first base after that and then ultimately Aguilar um, until where we are now with the current first base situation. Looking back at the last week of Brewers baseball, I know I mentioned a little bit, five games, both against AL Central opponents. Nobody really seemed to care that the Brewers did uh, get swept in that Royal Series because of the Bucks' big uh, NBA Finals victory. They did move up even the game on Tuesday um, to three o'clock so that fans and players could watch the Bucks game. I think within like 30 minutes of the Brewer game ending, the players were already at the Fiserv Forum ready for game six. Uh, that was uh, outstanding, of course, uh, for the Bucks to win the, the championship. Kind of makes you dream about what could happen if the Brewers did end up winning, uh, you know, a, a, a major league uh, World Series. I mean, the Bucks. the way that the city kind of wrapped its arms around the Bucks was uh, nothing short of uh, inspiring to see and great as a, as a Bucks fan as well and just a resident in the, in the Milwaukee area. Um, I was I was definitely part of some of the celebrations, was very much into it and very much cheering on the Bucks. And they were able to come away with the with the NBA finals, win the Larry O'Brien trophy. So that kind of overshadowed the Brewers Royal series. Uh, the Brewers got swept, but you know, kind of, oh, well, um, it, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. A two game set against an AL opponent, 
uh, and one that's out of the playoff picture. Uh, kind of a, a minor series for the Brewers to get swept in. The bigger series happened over the weekend, played against the Chicago White Sox, who are currently leading the AL Central by a, a pretty wide margin, actually. Um, I believe the, the Brewers and White Sox have the biggest division leads in the major leagues. Um, so a big series, and not even that, but the pitching matchups were excellent. Maybe, maybe the best pitching matchup over the course of a, a regular season series that we've seen ever. Uh, there were some stats like first time ever that there were five current season all-stars in the same uh, the same series. Um, and that was uh, for the White Sox, Rodon on Saturday, and then Lance Lynn on Sunday. And then Brewers lining up with Peralta Friday, Burns Saturday, Woodruff Sunday. Uh, also, Woodruff and Lance Lynn's matchup, lowest combined ERA on a Sunday night baseball ever between the two pitchers. Uh, I think also, like, I think it was like the the first time that there were five pitchers with a sub 225 ERA pitching in the same uh the same series after the All-Star break in over 100 years so a lot of stats that kind of proved how good the pitching has been on both sides both for the White Sox and for the Brewers um especially those three starters for the the Brewers and those are the three the three best starters for the White Sox as well so uh, a very good series, a very good matchup, and it definitely did live up to the expectations. The pitching wasn't particularly good on the White Sox side, actually. Uh, so as a Brewer fan, maybe turned out a little bit better than if you were a White Sox fan. The Brewers were able to take that first game 7-1, uh, 6-1 on the Saturday game, and then the Sunday night baseball one, they fell 3-1. to uh, Woodruff allowed a, a two-run single to Lance Lynn early in the game, and the Brewers' offense was really unable to get going against Lynn. I mean, Lynn does, I think, lead the major leagues in ERA right now among qualifiers, so uh, certainly makes it a little bit tough against a pitcher of Lynn's caliber. Also nice to see uh, our, our old friend or, or enemy, Tony Larusa back in the opposing dugout, um, causing causing uh, quite a scene again. Yoan Moncada in the Saturday game missed home plate on uh, a series of events that really did not go Corbin Burns' way. But when Moncada missed the plate, the Brewers appealed. Umpire didn't see it because the umpire actually got hit with the ball. And then uh, Brewers went to replay. They challenged it. Larusa was arguing about whether or not they were able to still appeal and still challenge after a mound visit. Ended up being a whole 15-minute spectacle. Larusa making kind of making a scene out of nothing. Larusa also got ejected in the Friday game, so you know what's new. Seventy-six-year-old uh, Tony Larusa making his return to Milwaukee and, and, and making his return known uh, to to all the fans and everyone watching. So that was a, kind of an interesting storyline in the series, and overall great pitching from the Brewers. Peralta only went four innings on Friday. The Brewers are kind of managing his innings a little bit more. Um, they they did say that. They're not really going to manage the innings as much of Burns and Woodruff. Maybe give one of them an extra day here or there. But Peralta a little bit more. Hauser is going to be maybe working in tandem. Some with Peralta or with Anderson or Lauer. Um, and having six capable major league starters definitely helps aid the the innings a little bit. Brewers also sitting with a six and a half game lead in the central. You, know, you don't want to get too comfortable up at the top. But at the same time, you, you do still um, kind of want to a little bit prepare for the playoff. You don't want your pitchers to burn out too early um, sitting this far ahead in the in the playoff picture right now. It's not like they're uh, on the verge of falling out of the playoff race right now. But we're going to recap the draft. We talked about that last week a little bit. Um, some 
some notable selections from the Brewers, but we kind of glossed over it because there was a lot to cover last week. Uh, so I said I was going to come with a bonus episode. We're going to put it in and um, kind of make it a, a bigger topic in today's episode instead. Uh, but talk about who the guys the Brewers drafted, uh, maybe how some of the other first round picks uh, kind of project uh, with some of the other teams, how the first round ended up shaking out a, a little bit surprising. I know that Teams were a little bit uncertain of who was going to go and what picks. Pirates ended up taking Henry Davis first overall. Not a huge surprise, but Marcelo Mayer ended up falling fourth to the Red Sox, who many considered to be the best player in the draft. Khalil Watson also was expected to go probably top eight. Had a pretty high signing bonus demand, though. Ended up falling all the way to the Marlins at pick number 16. Now, at the time, I was kind of hoping the Brewers would choose to take Watson, but I'm guessing that Watson either had a pre-draft deal with the Marlins, so he was telling teams not to take him uh, because he was going to go to Miami for the amount of money he wanted, uh, or it's possible that the Brewers just said, well, he wants too much money. Uh, we're not going to be able to sign him likely, or if we do, it's going to kind of hinder the ability we have to sign our other, other draft picks. So the Brewers decided against taking Watson. They took a center fielder from Boston College by the name of Sal Freelich. Profiles kind of similarly actually as Garrett Mitchell, very athletic center fielder, very good defensively, and he's got great contact uh, hitting abilities, not that much power, more gap to gap in that front, kind of like Mitchell as well, uh, plus defender, nice swing, good speed, um, and seems kind of like a prototypical leadoff hitter going forward and hopefully not too far away from the major leagues. We've already seen Mitchell in double A and Mitchell didn't even have the uh, the shortened or the the partial minor league season that many draft picks usually have, like Freelich will likely have uh, in this this year. So um, seeing Mitchell progress that that quickly, hopefully Freelich is able to as well. And it also kind of makes the uh, the draft picks seem maybe not quite as far away when they are getting to the major leagues in you know two years or or even less than that. Uh, the the more recent Brewers draft picks have. Uh, Kind of, I mean, you know, Ethan Small's already in AAA. Um, of course, Mitchell, Bryce Turing, a high school guy. He's in AA and kind of knocking at the door already in AAA. So the Brewers' first-round picks over the last couple of years kind of doing pretty well. Uh, but I think Freelich kind of slots in, probably if you analyze the Brewers' prospects, um, I guess probably kind of slots in probably behind Turing uh, at, at that maybe number three. You know, it's always kind of subjective to say, you know, where does a player rank? But I do think he probably slots in around two rank if I were to um, give my evaluations, which I'm by no means a, a huge prospect or, or talent evaluator. Um, but it seems from what I've read, from what I've seen, kind of in that range. And hopefully the, the hope is that he's kind of an average everyday regular. I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation and one that we can expect from Sal Freelich. Brewers also had a competitive balance pick uh, in, I think, 33rd overall. Uh, so how those picks work are the smaller market teams, so the bottom half of the markets in the major leagues, are eligible to receive extra draft picks as basically as compensation for not being able to run as high of payrolls. The Brewers, I would say about every other year, get an extra pick. I know Mario Feliciano was, uh, was a, a, a competitive balance pick a few years ago. Um, and this year, Tyler Black is who they used their 33rd overall selection with. Infielder from Wright State. He's actually originally from Canada. Uh, and second baseman, one of the best hitters in the draft, according to Keith Law. Um, he 
really performed well in some of the games that they played. I know early in the year they played some SEC opponents, and then again against Tennessee towards the end of the end of the season. Uh, and he really, really showed well uh, in those games in the non-conference and in the regional games. Uh, showed like a a very good like a very good college bat. Uh, not not quite Keston here alike uh, when we're looking at some of the the recent hitters that the Brewers have drafted, uh, but maybe a, 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 an even better contact hitter, a little bit less power, but he's very good all around hitter. And, and Scouts also lauded his plate discipline as being very good. Uh, his father actually I think is a, a broadcaster for the Blue Jays, uh, so part of the reason why he grew up in Canada or, or what tied him there around baseball a lot also. Uh, so he kind of projects as a, a bat first everyday second baseman um i don't know who a good comp would be uh, but someone who maybe it seems like someone who maybe is hitting in that 260 to 270 range slugs maybe about 450 good plate discipline and maybe like slightly below average defense at the major league level um, i think it's reasonable to expect him to be a player like that uh, and definitely better defensively than Keston here. I was com comparing him to him earlier. Um, and I mean Hira when he was drafted. I don't mean the the Hira, the up and down Hira inconsistent that we've seen him this year. Second round pick for the Brewers, they took TCU lefty Russell Smith, uh, six foot nine left-hander and kind of profiles as a back end of the rotation starter. Um, got fastball changeup combination, low 90s fastball. Um, and his slider is actually not bad either but doesn't really have like a great pitch his command is decent just kind of all around okay uh uh you know i mean he's a second round pick so of course he had to be a very good pitcher to get to that level but uh if we're looking at the major leagues probably more of a, a back-end starter um somebody who's maybe an innings eater and kind of runs eras in the low low to mid fours um i think that he's not a guy that has you know a ton of upside uh, but someone who could get to the major leagues uh, kind of fast, even if he is a little bit unconventional in his delivery. Brewers third round pick, Alex Benellis, uh, Oak Creek native. I think we mentioned him last week on the podcast. Was actually looking like he might be a late first rounder uh, going into the year. Got off to a slow start, but he did rebound very well. Uh, he hit 256 on the year, but slugged 621, 19 home runs over at the University of Louisville. Um, he's got excellent raw power. Apparently, he had an excellent showing in batting practice at the, uh, the 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 new MLB draft combine. So, the Brewers getting maybe a steal in Benellis, uh, and as far as someone who could have been a first round talent, um, but now dropped a couple rounds because he is a first baseman, and that is something to consider because you know if the bat doesn't come around as a first base prospect there's really really nothing to fall back on like there would be someone like Freelich who's got excellent speed and defense up the middle and center so kind of an interesting pick the hometown kid highest drafted Wisconsin player for the Brewers ever um, in the third round Alex Benellis fourth rounder Logan Henderson uh, from a junior college in Texas actually um, he is kind of the the prototype relief prospect he did start this year i think he led yeah he led all junior college pitchers in strikeouts on the year um, but high effort delivery and he's got three good pitches but um, because he is a little bit smaller high effort probably more of a reliever um, you know at the same time we said things like that with freddie peralta uh more of an undersized right-hander and so you never know especially with the way that the brewers are able to develop pitching but 
the Brewers taking Logan Henderson in the fourth round, Duke shortstop Ethan Murray, fifth round, um, and he's somebody who gets on base a lot. He's got a little below average hit tool, can field the position reasonably well. Um, kind of your average fifth rounder, though, not a ton of upside. Uh, so far, they've signed, uh, I think, already like 12 or 13 of their draft picks. One draft pick that they have not signed and will not sign, as he announced on Twitter, is Rock Reggio. He was a top couple round talent uh, infielder from Southern California out of high school, and he announced that he will be honoring his commitment to Oklahoma State University, uh, will forego the opportunity to um, play in the Brewers organization. So Rock Reggio will not be um, will not be signed by the Brewers, uh, but they have been able to sign even some of their later picks already. Um, all the ones that I have named already, they, they have signed as well as Carlos Rodriguez, sixth rounder, right-handed pitcher out of Florida Southwestern State College, junior college over in Florida. Uh, Tristan Peters from SIU Carbondale, outfielder. Um, they signed him just recently as well. Zach Raby, I don't know how exactly to pronounce that. R-A-A-B-E, a second baseman from University of Minnesota. Jordan Brannon, uh, right-handed pitcher from University of South Carolina. Uh, catcher Wes Clark from University of South Carolina as well. 10th rounder, Brewer Sino. I think he's got very good raw power. Uh, is kind of his carrying tool. Uh, they also signed Kalen Nicasia, shortstop out of Champagnat Catholic School in Florida. So they have signed a number of their prospects or their draft picks already uh, and kind of looking good. I, it seems like the Brewers had, you know, a reasonably good draft, uh, especially those those first two, Sal Freelich and Tyler Black, both seem like pretty good picks, uh, profiled pretty well with, with pretty high likelihood of making it to the major leagues and being at least average everyday regulars, which when you're picking in the middle of the rounds, no guarantee that you get someone like that, but seem like solid picks for the Brewers uh, in those those picks. Another item of news coming up, Lorenzo Kane is expected to be back for the series against Pittsburgh coming up already beginning on Tuesday. So that definitely will shake up the Brewers, uh, their, kind of their rotation of position players that they've had uh, over the last couple months. Been pretty steady overall, actually. Uh, haven't had a lot of shakeups, uh, but kind of who's the odd man out? You know, of course, Adamus is locked in at short. Um, you've got Wong at second. Urias is definitely securely in there. Chase Peterson, with the way he's played, you can't really get rid of someone like him. They've got their outfielders, Yelich, Garcia, and Bradley. Um, all of them are going to be staying for sure. Tyrone Taylor really has played well. Rowdy Telez, I, I think they give him more of a shot at the major league level before they would option him already. And that kind of leaves the, the odd man out as Keston Hira. Unless the Brewers decide to option out a pitcher, which of course is possible, so it seems likely that they, they will option Keston here. It seems kind of like the odd man out, the logical choice to option with Kane coming back. Uh, and I hope he does stay in AAA. I think they brought him back a little bit too early. And of course, part of that is because Vogelback got hurt. But having Hira back up and then with Telez, and especially with Telez playing a little bit more, playing better, had a couple home runs the other day, uh, pretty solid against uh, against Lance Lynn as well. Um, I think he started that back-to-back Saturday-Sunday. Um, so... Uh, Telez has played really well, and even playing against a lefty in, in Radon, he actually doesn't really fare any worse against lefties than he does against righties so far in his career. So, seems like it might kind of spell um, spell Keston Hira back to AAA, uh, and hopefully 
go to a place where Hira can get every day at bats. He's been playing a little bit more sporadically uh, with the Brewers. He played you know, three days ago and then uh, had two days off prior to that. Played one game, had three days off prior to that, had a couple more games off. So it's not like he's been playing every day, been getting regular at-bats. Since he came back towards the end of June, uh, he actually has slugged 458, 333 on base, but that is with a 38% strikeout rate. So kind of unsustainably high, not something I think that you're willing to kind of give as a trade-off. I, I don't think it's worth keeping here up at the majors league level if you're going to have to have a first baseman with a 38% strikeout rate. I think that would lead the league or certainly around there. So I'm not really optimistic about here right now in the major leagues. And especially once you look past, he had a, a pretty solid first uh, first few games, first week. But since then, he has one hit in his last five or six games. Um, even before that, he hadn't really yet. He had a two-hit game, but other than that, um, he hadn't had recorded more than one hit in a game since June 28th. So, unfortunately, I, I do think that probably time is running out on Hira and doesn't seem like we're going to really get any value out of Hira for the 2021 season. Now, I, I don't think that uh, the Brewers should give up on Hira by any means or trade him uh, or anything along those lines, but I do think that it'd probably be the right move to option him out to AAA, let him get at bats every day, and then you know, hopefully make some adjustments, get back to the hitter he was before because his swing looks very different from what it was uh, back last year or more more so even two years ago. Uh, definitely seems like he's selling out for power more, swinging and missing way more, and it is definitely not worth the trade-off because I think he's going to hit either way um, if he does have a little bit more of a contact-oriented approach and swing. And I think he kind of got a little bit too power-heavy and kind of led to some of the decline of Keston Hira. We saw Travis Shaw do that as well, where sold out a little bit more for power uh, back in 2018, I think it was. And then he had that that terrible year, maybe it was 19 even. Uh, so he's kind of getting back to the hitter he was before. And I think we'll probably have to see something like that with Hira, where he kind of recovers his old form. Maybe it just kind of a lost year for him. But I don't necessarily think that it, it takes him out of the Brewers' long-term plans I do think with that said, though, here is probably the odd man out going back to AAA with Lorenzo Cain coming back from the injured list uh, and, and sliding back into the Brewers outfield. Jackie Bradley Jr. has been hitting a little bit better lately, so uh, at least for Bradley, he might still get a few more opportunities. But, uh, I mean, he's he's not going anywhere. The Brewers aren't going to trade him. They probably are going to have him under contract for next year as well. Uh, he can opt out of the, the second year of the deal, but... I find that very unlikely with the year he's having. He's still hitting, I think, like 170. So it looks like they'll have him back. Garcia uh, as well. Looks like he's going to pass the threshold for the number of plate appearances for him uh, and his contract to be exercised for next year. And, and Garcia's really been fine at the plate. He's been their most consistent run producer, especially with the way that Yelich has performed uh, in the middle of his worst month. And he's just not having a good year since the end of the 2019 season. He's hitting at like 225. You know, he's taking his walks, but um, I saw someone on Twitter say, I, I don't really want Brandon Nemo. I want Christian Yelich. So uh, hopefully Yelich is able to, to put it together. He seems like someone who will have a huge second half or maybe a huge August and September. But of course, we still haven't seen that. He just looks uncomfortable, missing pitches that we're used to seeing him hit. 
uh, even watching in that that White Sox series. You know, he grounds out on a pitch that normally we'd see him lace the ball into a gap. So Yelich hasn't really got going. I think having Kane back and strengthening that outfield helps for sure, even with Tyrone Taylor coming back. And I, I do think that Taylor is actually really the optimal trade candidate for the Brewers um, among major league major league players because the Brewers do have those four outfielders, assuming uh, Bradley, Garcia, Kane, and Yelich are all able to stay healthy, uh, which they all have shown overall, other than Kane, the ability to stay healthy this year. Yelich really getting back from that back injury has, has been pretty durable since then. But Taylor, with the way he's been playing, Seems like he could be a, a solid upgrade for uh, a team that's maybe not in contention, but you know a team like the Pirates, a team like the Rockies or the Diamondbacks, where you've got an outfielder with a you know four or five more years of control. Um, he's he is 26, 27 already, but with the way he's hit, he's probably a, a fringe starter at the major league level. Uh, maybe the Brewers are able to deal someone like Tyrone Taylor for you know. A, a, average or above average middle reliever with maybe another year of control. I think that bullpen is where the Brewers really could bolster the uh, the team the most because, you know, we got the starting rotation locked down. Of course, you could add another starting pitcher, but I don't know if it's worth it given the market. The market is very uh, pitching starved. Um, teams always want more pitching, especially contenders. Uh, and the Brewers do have three guys where, you know, you acquire a four starter. Okay, so now, yeah, I mean, that certainly helps. Uh, you get potentially another starter, a four starter to make one start in the division series, one start in the championship series, and then one start in the World Series. Maybe mix him in a little bit um, with uh, with the bullpen. I, I did see uh, some odds that maybe the Brewers will go after Max Scherzer. I mean, that would be quite the uh, quite the acquisition for the Brewers. He is a rental, uh, but I mean, if the Brewers got Scherzer, you're running out. I don't even know who you'd run out in game one or two, but you've got... You got Woodruff, Burns, Scherzer, and Peralta, and then you can kind of use Peralta a little bit in the in the bullpen too. Uh, that would be so fun. Um, and if the Brewers didn't win the World Series with that rotation, I don't think the Brewers are ever winning the World Series. Um, I don't think it's likely that the Brewers get Scherzer. I think it was like fifteen to four odds uh, were listed that they would get him. But uh, but at the same time, the Brewers could still go after a starter. You know, the offense could use a little bit more, but. I don't really know where because Narvaez has been, he's all-star, pretty good catcher. Uh, they've had Telez and Vogelbach who, neither of them are like great first basemen, but I don't really see first basemen on the market that are like great options for the Brewers. I think maybe a guy like CJ Crone or Jesus Aguilar. Uh, but if you do that, then probably, probably ends the Travis Shaw era. I don't th see the Brewers being able to carry Shaw along with that, or maybe they just do get rid of Vogelbach or Telez in the minors the rest of the year. Um, kind of creates a little bit of a log jam since the Brewers seem to have, you know, Shaw, Telez, Vogelbach. Shaw and Vogelbach are both starting rehab assignments pretty soon, so the two of them will be back probably mid-August, and two more corner infielders, left-handed hitters, um, profile pretty similar with the bat. And with the way Urias has played third, I don't know how much playing time Shaw will get. So um, I, that is something to consider. Um, will Will Shaw be back with the Brewers? Um, now, they're not going to trade him, but will they just cut ties with him? I don't know. Something to consider. Um, and will the Brewers go after and try to make a big splash by getting, say, Trevor Story? Again, I don't know where he fits in. 
Um, do you then move Adamus over to third? Or like then Urias is really just a backup uh, for the rest of the year. And Urias has really emerged. And he's someone that I'd like to get at bats every day. Um, I think that he's, it's not like we're developing him. Like he is a, a good, uh, at least average major leaguer. So uh, having Urias play every day really isn't a weak spot by any means. So that's kind of the top thing. I think the Brewers, uh, you know, ideally Yelich kind of returns to form, is able to be that solid, that um, run producer in the middle of the lineup. And that really deepens the lineup a lot. Otherwise, I don't know that the Brewers necessarily need to make a big addition with the bat. You know, assuming assuming play, all the players stay healthy, which, you know, is a big if, but you can't really predict who would get hurt um, going into August or September. And also, I think uh, it is worth noting that the Brewers already have made two, you know, fairly big trades. They brought in Willie Adamas, uh, who has been, you know, that's been the biggest trade of the year across baseball and probably will be. At, I mean, Adames has played like a, an MVP candidate. He's um, He's been one of the best players in the National League since the trade. The Brewers were around 500 when they got him, and now the Brewers are sitting at 58 and 42. Uh, he's been uh, kind of the leader in the clubhouse that brings the energy. Uh, Adames has been basically anything you could have asked for or everything you could have asked for. So having Adames there, he already brought in a big acquisition. He already brought in Rowdy Telez, who could be an uh, average first baseman, I think, He's someone that you give him at bats, 400, 500 at bats, and he's, you know, a pretty good run producer, in the maybe in that five or six hole, kind of like an Eric Thames type. So I do think that the Brewers brought in a couple guys already that um, are making an impact already and will continue to make an impact. Uh, so it's not like the Brewers haven't done anything yet, or they're at risk of not doing anything to improve the club. They already have. But maybe adding a couple bullpen arms. Maybe they do add another starter. Um, maybe a bat. But I think the bullpen is probably the best place to improve um, at this point for the Brewers. Especially if they go on a deep October run. Now the White Sox and the Brewers. Uh, pretty big series. And Sunday Night Baseball of course. But MLB on Instagram I saw they posted. And I was kind of thinking about this. Is this a preview of the World Series matchup? Now I didn't think MLB was actually going to say that. Because... Everyone would be like the Brewers. Like, what about the Giants? What about the Padres, the Dodgers, um, or even the Mets? You know, they've got there a number of good NL teams that are probably going to make the playoffs. Seems actually uh, like the playoff race is kind of already shaping up. You know, those five teams are probably going to make the playoffs. Um, but the thing is, pitching can really carry a team through the playoffs, and the Brewers have as good starting pitching as anyone. Um, now, the Brewers also have the advantage of probably will be the two seed uh, because those three NL West teams are so good, but all in the same division. Seems like one will win the division and then two will end up being wild cards. And having the Brewers be that two seed most likely um, could be kind of a, a, an advantage to them having to play the Mets only, where I feel really confident in the Brewers' ability to beat the Mets. Uh, but, you know, of course you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. White Sox might seem like the favorites in the American League. The Astros have played really well. They've got a really good roster. I mean, you never know with Dusty Baker in the playoffs. Hasn't really had great performance there, but um, but also still a very good team. But the White Sox have as good a pitching as anyone, especially starting pitching. The AL East, Boston, I, I still think they're overperforming a little bit, even if the national media doesn't really want you to think that because they're a big market team. Tampa Bay's been pretty good, and they're always pretty good. But I don't know if I see them making a big playoff run. 
Yankees, they're actually not as far out of it as people make it seem like because they've really struggled this year, but I just don't see them making the, the playoffs and, go, and going on a deep run. So, you know, it seems like it could be Brewers-White Sox. I think maybe the, the White Sox, I think, have probably the best odds making it out of the American League and into the World Series. And the Brewers have really as good of a chance as anyone. I think the way that the Brewers lineup is, I feel pretty confident. Um, they they have that power where sometimes in the playoffs you kind of get dependent on the long ball. But at the same time in the playoffs, uh, when you need to scratch a run across, um, it really comes down to base running, advancing the base runners on ground balls, on sometimes bunts. Now, I don't know, Council doesn't like to bunt much, and that's okay, but um, but advancing runners and getting the runners in from third base. The Brewers have been able to do that, I think, even better progressively as the season has gone on. And when you combine that, you scratch off a couple of runs, scratch across a couple of runs, and you've got Woodruff, Burns, Peralta throwing them at, at, at the other team. Uh, and you've got Hayter locking down games at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, hopefully they add another you know setup man type pitcher. But I think the Brewers have as good of a chance as anyone to make it out of the National League. Yes, even the Dodgers, who it's looking like Trevor Bauer might not be back this year. Kershaw, always kind of the uncertainty with the health. He's on the injured list, should be back, but you still, I mean, you, you still got Kershaw, Bueller likely, um, but I don't think they're the team that they were last year or the year before. Now, it's a good Dodgers team, but I don't think it's a great Dodgers team. Uh, you've got the Giants who have been overperforming also. Uh, they've got Kevin Gosman at the top of the rotation, but I don't know how I feel about the the performances of Alex Wood and DiSclefani and um, and Johnny Cueto, and even Gosman for that matter, performing or continuing their performance to the level that they have so far this year. The Padres are right now looking like they could be a wild card team, and so like, do they even make it out of that wild card game? Probably, but there's no guarantee. Um, especially if you play a team like the Dodgers or the Giants in the first round, they kind of end up beating up on each other. And in a seven game series, especially when the Brewers have now three of the top five pitchers in the NL, according to ERA uh, in the rotation, the Brewers have as good of a chance as anyone in the National League to make it to the World Series, I believe. And it looks like we may have seen the World Series matchup this past weekend with Brewers White Sox. So as we wrap up today, uh, coming with the bold, the bold takes, I guess, with the Brewers uh, maybe being uh, having the best odds at, at making the World Series. Uh, the Brewers coming off a, a pretty tough week against, especially the White Sox, a couple games against the Royals, playing Pittsburgh this week, hopefully able to take at least two out of three from the Pirates team that's really struggled all year long. And then they play Atlanta over the weekend in Atlanta. Um, they, they're around 500. Uh, you know, you're kind of waiting for them to turn it around, but at the same time, they're without Soroka the rest of the year. Marcelo Zunas probably won't be back. Kind of a similar situation as Bauer. So I'm not super confident in the Braves' ability to, you know, make the playoffs. I don't think they're nearly as good of a team as we've seen over the last couple of years. Hopefully the Brewers are able to take advantage of a little bit of an easier week. Maybe increase that lead with the Reds where, you know, you head into August uh, go into uh, the kind of the more towards the the latter part of the year, and you're really sitting up at the front and kind of able to prepare a little bit for the playoffs. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it is kind of you know I I, I would say that the Brewers are really um, looking good at the top of the division. So that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. 
Uh, thank you, as always, for listening, for uh, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate all of you guys listening. Um, it, it really means a lot. And especially with the way the Brewers have played this year, it's made it really fun to cover the Brewers, to talk about them, uh, and to analyze them, and talk about you know maybe the Brewers are able to do what the Bucs have just done um, and, and bring that first World Series to Milwaukee. Um, I can't imagine how exciting that would be. Um, it would be, uh, you know, I, I, when the Bucks won, I kind of felt like, I never thought this would actually happen. And uh, for, if that happens with the Brewers, you know, all the more. So uh, the Brewers really looking good this year. I think this is the most confident I've been really in the Brewers in that I can remember. Um, even looking, I, I think the Brewers right now actually look even a little bit better than they did in 2018, maybe even 2011. So um, the Brewers looking like that that clear division winner um, and hopefully the Brewers do make some moves at the trade deadline coming up on Friday to uh, bolster their their roster you know hopefully uh, make some some good moves around the margins I think Stearns is pretty good with that you know back in 2018 brought in Curtis Granderson um, Domingo came back and ended up being a good pinch hitter for for the team even off the bench Joaquin Soria they acquired in, in 2018 to to bolster the bullpen a little bit uh, so adding those guys around the margins a little bit, uh, even Jordan Lyles a few years ago as a starter, uh, ended up having a pretty good second half. So uh, I think that Stearns, I, you know, I'm pretty confident he's not just going to stand pat, but you really never know with, with Stearns and with Matt Arnold what the Brewers are going to do. They could make a splash. Trevor Plouffe, uh, who's a former player now at John Boy Media, um, he, he said per sources, or according to his sources, that uh, kind of the buzz in the industry is that the Brewers are going to make a big splash. Uh, you know, of course, I'd be in favor of that, even if it means maybe giving up a little bit in the farm system. Maybe if it does mean trading Bryce Turang, who seems like he's kind of blocked up the middle right now by Wong and, and Adamas and Urias. Um, I might be okay with that or parting with a guy like Ethan Small uh, to get that big bat or that, that big arm for the stretch run. So we'll be interesting to see. Of course, we'll know how it shakes out already by next week's episode. Again, trade deadline coming this Friday, July 30th at 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so be on the lookout. That will be the deadline for the Brewers' trades. And hopefully they make a big splash. Hopefully the Brewers are able to continue their success uh, here into the end of July and into August uh, against some weaker opponents. And hopefully the Brewers are able to kind of cruise into that postseason. So... The World Series contending Brewers don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, you know, kind of fun time right now to be a Wisconsin sports fan. So as always, as we're signing off, thanks for listening and go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there and interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.